our culture is naturally a why culture. They say that 70% of people will respond positively or comply if they're just told why they're being asked to do something, why a foul was assessed, why an official is changing the clock, whatever it may be. It's so important to, and we call this in verbal judo, we call it setting context, giving people that why, because it, it is a huge way to decrease uh, confrontation. It's a huge way to bring that agitation level down. And we call it a race to the why. You are listening to the Crown Rest Podcast, the audio experience for basketball official officials. Serve the game. We experience a lot of quick and loud reactions. You know, the game will be quiet one second and then sudden outbursts, sometimes demonstrative and disrespectful, and at the bare minimum, constant disagreement with our decisions and rulings. How would you deploy verbal judo in these situations? So I, I think that there's a unique uh, unique platform that, that referees have, and, and, you know, when we talk about verbal judo, this this... Uh, system was created by a police officer, sort of for police officers. And I think that the unique thing with officials and and with, uh, you know, managing a game is that ability to make split-second decisions and react in in split-second, those outbursts, those, uh, you know, those disagreements. So I, I think that when you talk about how to to manage those, how to respond. I think that you have to realize what your goal is as a referee, as what your goal is as a contact professional. That's what we all are at the end of the day, is contact professionals. We are communicating in a tactical manner. And, and when I say that we're, we want to communicate in a tactical manner, what I mean is that our goal is to keep on our professional objective. We want to generate voluntary compliance. And, and in that sense, an even better idea is to generate cooperation from our athletes, from our um, participants. We want to, and the best, the best possible outcome is collaboration, is to work together. You think about it, these referees, their job is to keep order in this game. Uh, it's, it's not a, uh, a real game without them. So they're, they're in the background but they have so much responsibility to keep these people on track and, and make this a, a true event. So what do, what do we do to, to, you know, to bring that to the forefront and respond? Well, we have to realize that, that first of all, when you're acting as a referee, you, you have to put on what we call in verbal judo a professional face. You have to be able to separate the the personal side from the professional, and this is this is something that comes right from the the law enforcement world. Is you are going to get verbally attacked, you're going to get confrontation that may appear personal, uh, but our responsibility as as professionals, as referees, as law enforcement, whatever your contact professional job is, is to be able to separate those two things, to be able to respond as. Um, using your professional face. 
uh, splitting, you know, those two things and, and responding in a disinterested manner. Um, you know, not really having any skin in the game. You're not the one playing, you're managing this game. So your, your interest is in a true outcome. So our goal is to respond, uh, professionally and respond in a disinterested manner. And that shouldn't be confused with being uninterested. You are certainly interested uh, in the outcome of the game, but you have to respond in a disinterested manner, meaning you don't have any skin in this game. You don't have uh, a you know, a dog in this fight except to keep things going in a professional and uh, organized manner. So I think that's, that's how we want to think about our response. Um, that's how we want to, uh, you know, put on our, put on our, we, we say in verbal judo, put on our costumes. Our, our job is to, uh, you know, wear the costume, not let the costume wear us. So as, as officials, you know, we put on that, that uniform and it's showtime. It's, it's a, a time that we, um, we use, this this term to mentally prepare for the task at hand it reminds the professional to only use that professional face and to use words that'll generate that voluntary compliance not less that let that costume wear us so you're saying in those critical moments of duress to to not show your personal face and almost like strip out the emotion of the situation yeah and that's it's really easy to say that here it's really easy to sit here and say you know sticks and stones but there, it, it's so much more than sticks and stones i to be honest i don't think that that's necessarily a true um thought process is sticks and stones break your bones words can't hurt you words words absolutely can mm-hmm. uh you know you have to be able to have kind of a studied response uh you know, natural language, um, what rises readily to the lips, mm. uh, those create the greatest speeches that you'll ever live to regret, the, that mm. natural language. So what you have to do is be able to step back and, you know, put on that professional face and realize that our goal, you know what, we're, we're tactical communicators. So even though, you know, we're trying to go from a you versus me to a we, we're still trying to win that, that communication. We're still trying to come out on top. We do battle with words the same way that we do battle fighting. That's why we call this verbal judo, because it's still a tactical battle art form. But in in the sense of how we respond to these people and, and putting on that professional face, you know, we we have that responsibility to let the people say what they want to say, but you have to do what I say. You know, I have the last act. You can have the last word uh, in a sense of you know, gaining that, that professional face and that professional respect. And people like to be presented with options and not told what to do too, right? So we, we talk about, um, the, the five universal truths, um, of people in, in any, uh, realm of, of communication. That's, that's personal and professional, um, that people want to be treated with dignity and respect uh, that people would rather be asked uh, to do something than told. Uh, that's that's a premise that if we can, at, you know, present ourselves uh, respectfully and ask for something to be done, that uh, it's a better way to go about the the process of uh, communicating. But yeah, with 
with our ability to ask something, we have to ask in a way, and this is the true way to generate voluntary compliance. We have to ask people to do things in a way where the what we are asking them to do, the best possible option for them is presented within the question. Mm. So that's really the, the idea of verbal judo is I have to ask you to do something with your best interest in mind. And that's the idea of, of presenting something with some empathy, seeing things through – uh, the other person's eyes, because if we can present someone with uh, with some options, hey, listen, there's there's two ways that we can go about this. Option A, you know, is is going to work out really well for you. It's going to be the easier route. You're going to stay in this game. Uh, you know, you're going to be able to continue to help your team perform. Or, you know, if we're talking about the coach, you're going to be able to keep leading your your team in the right direction you know the other way that we can go about this you know you can be ejected you can uh not be allowed to be a part of this organization anymore you can face a suspension or or uh fine whatever it may be you know i really don't think that that's uh you know beneficial for anybody here i really hope that we can work together to get get on option a Mm. that's that's uh the true the true way to communicate tactically is it's kind of like a Jedi mind trick. You know, you're, you're trying to get what you want, uh, which is cooperation, which is collaboration, which is a even keeled game, which is, a uh, you know, a game that focuses on the actual athletic contest, not, uh, all the confrontation that, that comes with the athlete versus referee, uh, you know, natural, uh, confrontation. So, yeah, that's that's a, a huge premise of, of communicating successfully is being able to give those options by saying what you want them to do, but having their best interest in mind. Refs podcast is brought to you by Neat Tucks, the best way to keep your shirt or uniform tucked. If you're looking for that clean, professional look on the court, there's only one way to do it. Log on to neattucks.com and order yours today. Neat Tucks and Crown Refs, serving the game. Our big thing, and this is a huge thing with officiating, is all people want to be told why. Uh, you know, our, our culture is naturally a why culture. They say that 70% of people will respond positively or comply if they're just told why they're being asked to do something, why a foul was assessed, why an official is changing the clock, whatever it may be. It's so important to, and we call this in verbal judo, we call it setting context, giving people that why, because it, it is a huge way to decrease uh, confrontation. It's a huge way to bring that agitation level down. And we call it a race to the why, because what's the first, the first question from an athlete, from a coach, whatever it may be, when a, uh, you know, an official makes a decision. Well, why, you know, why did you call that? What happened? You know, I didn't do anything. So if you are able to, to successfully, win the race to the why and it's the ultimate sign of respect to give people that that answer uh it's the ultimate sign of professionalism uh, and 
we, we talk about things never to say. We think talk about things um, to remove from your vocabulary. Well, one of those things is because it's the rules. Mm. And that's that's just not good enough in, in communication. If you have a good reason for making a decision, the ultimate sign of respect and the ultimate sign of professionalism is to tell them why. Uh, it, it naturally decreases that confrontation. So if you can win that race to the why, people want to be told why they're being asked to do something, why some a decision is being made. So if you can win that race, you're you're responding tactically. And, uh, you know, with that, we talked about the way to present options. Well, it's also important to realize that we have to present options rather than threaten. So in the way that uh, we, we do present those options, we have to do it in a manner where it, it appears as if we are trying to work together collaboratively with our, our um, athletes, with our coaches, whatever it may be, whoever – uh, we're in this confrontation with, hey, listen, you and I want the same thing. We want this game to go on. We want good competition. We want our athletes to succeed. So if we can present those options in a way where option A, that good option, is collaborative, is is for the greater good of everybody out there, that's uh, that's the ultimate success. And then the the fifth truth that we talk about in verbal judo, and and it applies to you know, all our communicators is that all people want a second chance. Uh, they want, you know, the ability to make a mistake and, uh, you know, take, take accountability for their mistake, but to continue working towards their goal, um, whether that's, you know, athletic success or, or, you know, business success, whatever it is in, um, in their field, they want that ability to, to make that mistake and still be recognized as someone who can be successful. So it is our job as communicators to, to find uh, that realm and keep people going in a positive direction. And that's always a response that works for us is um, when we take accountability and, you know, admit our mistakes. Coaches generally like to hear that. You know, we spend so much time on highly effective responses during the critical moments and, you know, building that skill set as a referee. It's also a skill set to know when not to say anything. And you just touched on um, what not to say. Can you elaborate on that dynamic a little bit more? Yeah, I, I really like the idea of accountability. I think that that's so important on both sides. Uh, if we expect people to to you know, take accountability for their actions and, you know, be assessed whatever penalty it may be within the athletic realm. Well, we have to do the same as officials. That's, that is so key because none of us are perfect. We are going to make mistakes and how you do so, how you respond in that time shows so much about your character and so much about your ability to, to perform as, as that contact professional. So I, I talked about one of the things that we want to remove uh, from our vocabulary that because those are the rules or, you know, because that's the law, because that's the way that it is, you know, that it's real easy for an official to say, hey, listen, I didn't write the rule book. Uh, you know, that's not my decision. That's just the way that this game goes. Um, that's just the way that um, the people that, that are the administrators of this league, that's how they, you know, that's how they decide in action. It's, you know, referees are going to be that in between because people aren't going to have the, the ability to make contact with the decision makers on the floor, you know, on the court. So 
you know, officials have that responsibility to be able to set some context and, and avoid that because those are the rules. Answer. Another one uh, that's that's big with that, and we talk about um, accountability, is uh, the what do you want me to do about it? Or, you know, that that's not something that I can do. Um, that's not my call. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's the ultimate cop out. Yeah. And we're, we're trying to, if we're going to try and communicate tactically, we're not going to have the ability to cop out and, and use that uh, phraseology. So we, we talk about that accountability is so big. Well, you know, some people think that simply apologizing, you know, the, the uh, simple act of saying sorry is weakness in communication. And we, we try and move away from that because we want people to understand that we are not perfect, that we are going to make mistakes. So if you can say, Hey, listen, I'm sorry. I, you know, I was not right there. I, I'm going to either rectify it. I'm either going to fix the issue and try and, you know, right the wrong, or I'm going to realize my mistake. And this is something that is not going to happen going forward. Uh, there are things that you can't change. Uh, you know, you can, you can always grow though, uh, especially in something that is uh, split second decisions. If, if you make the wrong call, if you are in the wrong, that accountability is so important. Be able to say, you know, either this isn't this isn't something that I can help you with, but we're going to try and figure out the answers together. Uh, I'm going to try and get you that information. Or hey, listen, that is something that I did make a mistake on. Uh, you know, you see it all the time in athletics. Uh, officials are going to make mistakes every game, and it's about how you respond to them, your professional presence mm-hmm. in your response. Because if you if you give a weak, um, you know, admission of of a mistake, it, it isn't going to do anything. They're going to have that negative opinion going forward. If you can have a strong professional presence in your response and be able to say, Hey, listen, you know, I'm going to do better. I'm going to write this and, you know, show that you are, you are capable of going forward successfully. Then, you know, you can avoid a lot of conflict there. I love that we're talking about mistakes. I always say we're in the mistake business because we're always focused on the mistakes from each game and trying to correct them and then go apply it um, to the next game. Could you just give us a couple practical strategies um, for addressing the unique challenges that officials face throughout the course of a game and how do we stay strong and mentally sound when overcoming the mistakes? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that uh, you know, the way that athletic, uh, athletic uh, contests work is if you are perfect as an official, if you are doing your job, you know, to the best of your abilities, it, it's almost as if you're not there. You're not part of the game. The only time that we come up as officials is when we do make those mistakes. You know, they don't there's no uh, section on Sports Center at night uh, showcasing officials who make every call right in the game. It's it's those split second decisions where, you know, both feet are in bounds and they call them out or, uh, you know, the shot is, uh, you know, gets put up after uh, the buzzer and, you know, it, it didn't leave his hand before the buzzer, but the official gave him the gave him the shot. It, that's the kind of thing that officials sign up for. They sign up to be 
uh, confronted when they make those mistakes. No one gives, you know, the officials a, hey, hell of a game you called. You know, we, we certainly have the respect for them at the end of the game and, and shake their hands and, you know, uh, thank them for what they did. But there's no awards for, for good officiating. So you, you have to go in with the mindset that you, you're the, you know, you're kind of the scapegoat when things go wrong. Um, certainly, you know, coaches and, and teammates are going to go after players, but when, you know, when something happens where there is a mistake made, you have to come in with the mindset that you are vulnerable, uh, that you are the, the person that, um, is easiest to, to blame when that mistake is made and, and rightfully so, you know, you're going to take that abuse as a, you know, as a part of your job. So talking about practical strategies, well, we talked about avoiding that, that natural reaction, um, that, that, um, blow up and and how do we do that? Well, yes, we, we realize that it's showtime that, um, when we step on there, we're, we're leaving our personal face at home. That's, that's easier said than done because when someone goes after your ability, especially at your job, uh, it is really easy to have that natural language, that natural reaction. So what are some things that we can do? Well, it, as a contact professional, uh, remember I said before that I think the sticks and stones is, is, a, is a nice thought process, but it's a little bit too simple because we have to, as a contact professional, we have to be able to actually react. Uh, we have to be able to respond to the meaning behind the words and not uh, you know, react to the actual words because people rarely say what they mean when they're angry or upset. In this clip, Alex talks about how you can incorporate strip phrases into your conversations and how strip phrases are the perfect way to show the coach empathy while also providing you the leverage and foundation for you to communicate your real message. We are not just going to ignore. I know we talked about the idea of sometimes silence is uh, the best remedy. And you know what? Being able to step back and, and reflect is good. But when you're in the moment, you need you need to have some sort of answer. So when one of your, your officials is told, hey, listen, you're the shit ref that you know i've ever come into contact with you don't know the rules uh you know you have no idea what's going on you're blind whatever it is you have to be able to get back on your professional goal you have a game to officiate but you still want to respond you can use what we call in in our business strip phrases so it's uh we, we call this kind of playground america um deflection techniques Everything before the the but in this sentence is going to be our strip phrase. So, hey, you're the you know you're the worst rep that we've ever come into contact with. You don't deserve to be here. Hey, listen, sir, I hear you on that, and I I can appreciate what what you're saying. But our goal is to get this game going, uh, and we got to get you know the the penalties assessed here. So. You know, I need you to step back into your, you know, your coaching square, or you need to go back to the bench, or you need to get off the the field. You're, you know, you've been ejected, whatever it may be. So everything before that, but your response. Hey, listen, I hear you on that, and under identical circumstances, I'd feel the same way. But, uh, you know, then you're back on your professional goal. So everything before the but addresses uh, the the uh, verbal attack 
And, and why do we do that? Well, one, you can you can kind of have some fun with this. Uh, you can kind of it, it can make you feel good. So, hey, listen, you're blind. So, you know what? I, I hear you on that. And, you know, maybe I do need to get my eyes checked. But here's what we're going to do going forward. You can kind of you can kind of have some fun with it. You can do so, but you still sound good doing it. Um, it it's going to disempower the other. Because we don't want to get into a game of dozens, you know. We don't want to get into a game of yo mama's, you know, this and yo mama's that. We're not playing that game. We're responding, we're deflecting and redirecting and getting back on our professional goal and, and still sounding good. Uh, because you know, you know, at least at the college, sometimes at, even at the high school level, we, we have those mics in close proximity. So if you're getting bombarded with verbal attacks, we certainly don't want to respond as a contact professional, you know, going back at people with those verbal attacks. So that strip phase is a great opening line to insert empathy around, um, you know, what we need to tell them as a professional. Yeah, I, I think that if you use it that way, um, if you can use empathy, and we have to realize when we talk about empathy that what that actually means. So EM uh, means to see through and uh, pathy means the eyes of another. Mm. So it's important to understand that with empathy, we don't have to agree with the other person. We just have to be able to see it from that other perspective. So if you are able to see why a coach or player uh, feels as if a call was wrong, feels as if they've been slighted, uh, you can better respond and and put yourself in that position. Listen, I hear you. That's a that's a tough call. It's a it's a bang bang play. It is um, you know I hear why you know this is going to affect your team. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to get these you know these foul shots up. We're going to get uh, this player off the floor. We're going to um, you know to change the clock to to what it needs to be. So. Everything after that but needs to be right back on that professional goal to show that you as the contact professional are are focused on the the task at hand. Because some so often people will say, Well, I, I feel like I respond really well to verbal attacks um, by either ignoring them or keeping a cool head. Well, that's only half the battle. The other half of the battle is being able to get back on goal. Because uh, this is this is a time-saving business. So if we are able to uh, put you know put the the game first and and show that you know our our only purpose there is to officiate this game to make sure that uh, everyone is is performing safely and adequately, then then we're winning. We're you know con- we're communicating tactically, and uh, we're remember it, it's still a battle. We do battle with words the same way we do battle fighting. So we want to, at the end of the day, we want to win. Alex, I know you're an athlete and a verbal judo instructor. I'd love to hear your perspective on what the referees' roles are in the games and how our communication influences the games and its athletes. Yeah, I, I think that it's... Uh, um, it's a unique side to be a, to be both. Um, I've I'm actually a uh, a hockey player, but I've I've been I played you know basketball and baseball and football. I've, I've you know interacted with officials since I was a little kid, 
And uh, I, I certainly wouldn't consider myself a, uh, a trash talker, one to go back at refs. Uh, but just like I said a couple times, I'm not perfect. It, it's something where um, when you when you are frustrated, the easiest person to go at is the officials. Um, when things aren't going your way, um, how often in the locker room after the game uh, do you say refs screwed us on that one, or you know we we just couldn't get a call? It, it's really the easiest. Uh, way to explain um, challenges in in athletics is hey one is we didn't play well uh, two the other team is better than us three the the refs just weren't on our side today mm-hmm. um, if you can come across as as neutral and like I said there's a there's a term in verbal judo a Japanese term called mushin and it is the idea of being disinterested. Um, if you can come across and it's so important to come across disinterested, not uninterested, mm. uh, if you can come across that way, uh, if you can come across with that, that, um, no mind, that's what it breaks down to no mind and non-biased, uh, that is, is incredibly important. Most officials, you know, 99.9% of the officials, if, if they're not, you know, betting on the game, uh, do not have any interest. They, they come across with that disinterest. Uh, another thing that I think is so important is your presence, is your professional presence, how you speak. Um, you know, people, people, when they have a conversation, they get six to 10% of the actual content of the conversation, the words that come out of your mouth. That is, uh, such a small percentage of conversation. The, the majority of it is the way that you say things, hmm. your tone, your pitch, your moderation, uh, your voice. And then 50 to 60% of it is your nonverbal, is your delivery style, is uh, your body language. So uh, I think that that's something that officials can work on. Uh, and it's such a, a weird idea to work on your officiating body language. Uh, but you have to have that strong professional presence I don't care what level it is, whether it's, you know, six and under or MBA, uh, people are going to take so much from you uh, based off of your body language, uh, especially when they can't hear what you're saying. If you can present yourself in that way, you're going to have success with the players, with the coaches, uh, with your team of officials. That is that is one of the most important things uh, from a receiver's point of view. I remember one part of the book where you would just simply respond to somebody as, whoa, 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 or hold up. You know, like you're just repeating like one word as like a lead up. Okay. So you're talking about uh, the sort of insertion and and what that is, is um, in our eyes, it's, it's paraphrasing. And we talk about paraphrasing as one of the most uh, – powerful communication tool. So in the realm of officiating, um, when you are getting verbally attacked and you can't get a word in edgewise, we talk about a professional and respectful way to interrupt people. And that's a hard thing to do. It is hard to interrupt someone and keep their respect. So how do we do that? Well, we got it. We, we have to get into the conversation in the first place. So we have to be able to insert ourselves. And that's what that sort of insertion is. And you said a couple of them 
uh, right on, you know, that, whoa, 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 hold on one second, or mm. can I just uh, have one second, or let me make sure that I understand what you just said. That's so good. And I think that that's the most powerful one. Yeah. Uh, because when you give that to someone, when you uh, utter that phrase, uh, it automatically opens up their ears and closes their mouth because no one is going to listen harder than to their own point of view. Someone uh, who is, hmm. you know, on that on that um, flight of words is is going 100 miles per hour. Um, their their goal is to be understood. So if I can get in respectfully and say, let me make sure I understand what you just said. And then the, the key there is that we have to be listening. We have to have yeah. actually heard and interpreted a- accurately to be able to paraphrase. So after we've inserted ourselves, our goal is to paraphrase. You are feeling X because of Y. You are pissed off about uh, this because of that. Um, so in the sense of officiating, uh, you know, you're saying that you're, uh, you know, you didn't foul this player because uh, you were in, you know, you were in the restricted zone or, or you're saying that uh, you uh, got the shot off before the, the buzzer. You're saying uh, that uh, the other player traveled, whatever it may be. And that's why you are here right now. That's why you're talking to me. That's your complaint. And, and paraphrasing is, is a unique thing because it, it gives you a lot of different ways that you can go forward. So it, one, it gives the person the ability to confirm and it's the ultimate sense of empathy because they are being told that you are seeing things from their perspective. It also gives the person who you're communicating with a, a chance to modify their initial statement. If Remember I said people rarely say what they mean when they're angry or upset. So if if they are they have a chief complaint and they are not articulating it in uh, the manner that they'd like, they have the ability to modify it while saving face. Uh, you know, they have the ability to say, no, that's not actually what I am concerned about. That, you know, that's a secondary concern. What I really am pissed off about, what I really am coming to you for is X. So it, it, it helps connect, uh, the two parties in, in the communication. And like I said, you got into that conversation respectfully and you took back control of, uh, confrontation. This is really effective when you have lost control. And I think officials uh, deal with this so often when they get uh, a coach or a player who, is just berating them. They have to have the ability to, to shut that down and, and tactically get control back of a conversation. So how do you do that respectfully? Well, you use that sort of insertion. Then you have to be able to give it back to them so you make sure that you're on the same page and you can get back on that professional goal as quickly as possible. When do we know when to draw the line when that person is not being compliant? In Mr. Thompson's case, it would be knowing when his words aren't working anymore to now making an arrest for us, it's to when to apply the rule book and a technical foul. Talk to me about yeah. that line. Yeah. You know, we, we have this class verbal judo. We've been teaching it for over 30 years and something that we almost always get uh, with any of our populations, whether it's law enforcement and business world, uh, healthcare, 
teachers, officials, whatever it is, is when do words fail? Uh, because these strategies are not going to be 100% successful. Uh, when we uh, when we talk about um, words failing in the law enforcement sense, we use an acronym called SAFER uh, that uh, explains to us that, that gives us something in our head to remind us that words are not always going to be successful. And when do we draw that line? So we talk in safer about when our security uh, is threatened. So when someone makes contact uh, with an official, when someone else's uh, safety is threatened, when property uh, is being threatened, uh, we call it a safer violation. So, you know, you got a coach throwing stuff or, or hurting a player uh, up in your face, making contact with you. Uh, on that same realm, when you're under attack, uh, we, we're not using words uh, when there's physical violence being implored. Um, it, the F in safer for us is flight. Uh, so if someone's walking away from you or not paying attention to you or they are um, they are done with the conversation, you know, flight for law enforcement officers is actually running away. But for an official – it may be, uh, you know, like a coach or a player engaged in another conversation or, um, you know, not really paying attention to the explanation or the, the response to their initial verbal attack. Uh, the E, excessive repetition. Uh, one of the things that we um, say that we, we eliminate from our vocabulary in, in verbal judo is I'm not going to tell you this again. Uh, we want to avoid excessive repetition because it is a problem uh, in terms of tactical communication. Uh, when, when no voluntary compliance or collaboration or cooperation appears possible and you've exhausted all your verbal options, words have failed and you have to move on to your next step. Uh, as an official. And then the R, revised priorities. Whenever a matter of higher priority uh, requires your attention or your presence, um, if, if you are officiating a game and you're having a conversation, you're having a, a confrontation and uh, something else on that floor, whether it's, it's strictly just getting back to the game because you're on a time crunch because uh, that's the way that your policies say, or there's there's a bigger issue at hand than the conversation that you're having. Uh, words words are not the option, and we move on. So different officials are probably going to have different levels of um, ability to act, um, and that's what we talk about as the step after. Um, words have failed is is an action taking decisive action to to um, to go forward in uh, your job. So when one of those safer violations has been met, it's it's a really good way to keep in your head of where do I draw that line, and that's so important because there is that line, and it, you have to realize that you know you can be the best tactical communicator on the planet. But there may be people that are beyond, you know, able to receive that information from you. So if you can find that level, um, if you can find those violations and know that that's your time, you're going to be ready to go and ready to communicate. Wow, you're the man, Alex. This is awesome. You're 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 crushing this. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> it's uh, it's something. It, it really uh, blends well. The, the um, 
you know, the officials that are, are responsible for communicating in a professional manner. This is, this is what we talk about. This is, uh, the, the population that we want to, uh, help the ones that have to make those quick decisions. Uh, you know, that this course was designed by a police officer. And what he says is the strategies that he employed for law enforcement work, if it can work for, for law enforcement officers to help them uh, respond tactically, it can work for a lot of other people, but there are a lot of similarities in the confrontations that officials face and law enforcement officers face because they're expected, they have authority and they're expected to uh, make those those decisions in a split second and, and respond professionally and get back on, on goal. So if if we can, if we can use some of these strategies, uh, if we can implore them in, in our, um, you know, our professional roles, we can, we can have a lot more success. I appreciate uh, you giving us a platform. We hope that uh, this, some of these things, our goal is to, to give practical information, not just uh, talk about mindsets and, and, um, you know, not just uh, give ideals, but, but strategies. So if we can do that, if we can use some of these, obviously uh, this is a, a course, a, um, something that's been around for a long time. We've seen a lot of success in a lot of different realms of uh, communication. So we hope that this is, you know, some of these strategies are things that officials can, can use on the court, use at home where we, we call ourselves a a boardroom to bedroom course that uh, if we are just helping people uh, professionally, we're not doing our goal, our job. So hopefully people can take these strategies away and use them both in their professional careers as well as at home. Thanks for listening to the Verbal Judo series. I hope you enjoyed it. This was your tactical communication guide as a basketball official. You know, one of the hardest skill sets to acquire in this business is communication. There's not much training out there for referees. That's why one of our major content pillars for Crown Refs is communication. So I wanted to introduce you to the Verbal Judo system, which is proven to work. I hope you go back and re-listen a few times because there's a lot of great information to digest. Take this concept, apply it to your own game. I guarantee you're going to feel and hear the immediate difference on the court with your command and control. Special thanks to Jerry Jenkins, Alex Bromley, the Verbal Judo Institute, and the creator, Dr. George Thompson. Rest in peace. Have a blessed day.